Welcome all of our campuses to the fifth and the final week of our series entitled Mind Games. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. So I am super pumped up about today, and I'm going to introduce our guests in just a moment. But I do want to say to all those that are joining us, every one of our locations, those online as well, you do not want to miss next week. I'm kicking off a seven-part series on the book of Revelation. Now, I've done it one other time seven years ago. And uh, I I just want to say this. I've done some additional study. It is going to be powerful. And the whole theme of the book of Revelation is to give you confidence that you can overcome. And so I don't want to tell you too much more because I want you to be here to jump into the Bible. By the way, this is an opportunity to invite friends, family members, skeptics, unbelievers, people that are not sure about Christianity. I'm telling you, it's going to help them. I'm going to address all of the issues that they may even be asking in this. So next week we kick it off. Now today, I want to finish up our series entitled Mind Games. How many of y'all been enjoying that series? Y'all been enjoying it? Today, I'm super pumped up. I've invited my dear friend, Pastor Jeff Little, to finish up our series. For those of you that don't know Pastor Jeff Little, uh, he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, He pastors Milestone Church uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's actually in Fort Worth. Uh, If you ever move to Fort Worth, we don't want you to. (laughs) But if you ever happen to do it, There is a great church called Milestone Church. Last weekend, this is amazing, 9,000 people. It is an exploding church there. And Pastor uh, Jeff has been a dear friend of mine. We met 23 years ago, uh, my wife Jennifer, his wife Brandy, in the back of a bus on the way to a church conference. And uh, we became friends and we're brothers. And so we've had the privilege, by the way, of walking with them as they started two years after us, Milestone Church. Uh, 21 years, I think, this fall, or 20 years, 20 years years right now, and you guys have been part of that, and so Pastor Jeff is one of my dearest friends in all the world, our kids love one another, and so we are so honored to have him, and he's one of the best preachers, and I mean that, he's he's funny, and what else can I say good about you, anything else? (laughs) All right, so I'm going to ask all of our campuses, let's just stand up, come on, let's warmly welcome Pastor Jeff Little, come on, let's give it up. Thank you Love so you, much. Jeff. Come on. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I do want to welcome all the campuses, those watching online, those in the correctional facilities. It's a joy and a privilege to be here with you and to finish up this mind game series. I'm going to touch on your theme verse. It's going to take me a moment to get there, but if you want to hold your finger in the book of Exodus, Exodus 3.10, I know that you hit some Bible characters in the series. I want to hit one of the giants of the faith, one of the Bible characters that even if you haven't studied the Bible that you know probably something about. We're going to talk a little bit about Moses. I want to pause for a moment and just have a chance to honor your pastor, all those great things that he said. I hope I can live up to all of that. But anyway, uh, we, we are, again, for me, I, I grew up in uh, my home. I had two sisters, so I was the oldest. I was the older brother there to torment my sisters, if y'all know what I'm saying. But uh, I always wanted a brother. And you know, how many of y'all know in spiritual family, God gives you when you're in the body of Christ. He just blesses you. Pastor Steve has been an older brother to me, a pastor to me. And I do want to say this because sometimes when you have proximity 
to a person, and again, I feel like I'm saying this not as just some guest speaker here who tries to say some pleasantries about your pastor. He and I spend a lot of time together in conferences and just hanging out, vacation, all kinds of things. Uh, you have such a blessing in Pastor Steve. The context that I get to see him in as we're helping others and him helping other church leaders, there's nobody better. His whole insight into how to help us as pastors reach people and serve communities, you guys have a real gift. He's not just a good Bible teacher. He's an incredible leader and an understanding of how to build church and the local church. How many of y'all are thankful for your pastor? Come on now. Come on. Yeah, he's amazing. And his whole family, we love them. And, and I would say our church, what we're experiencing and who I am, would not have happened without his influence in my life. When I don't know what to do, I call your pastor. So just know that. And I want to honor you, though, because a great church is not just made up of a great pastor, and you have one. A great church really ultimately is made up of people like you. And anytime I get a chance to come share this with you, it's been several years since I've been here because of COVID and all the things happening. Um, our church, what's happening in Dallas-Fort Worth, it was your church's financial investment, your team just imparting to us. I would just invite myself to your staff meetings 20 years ago. We're celebrating our 20-year anniversary. I tell you, I was starting a church, and uh, Pastor Steve didn't even give me an invitation. I would just call Laura and the team and, you know, Doug and Randy and say, I'm coming. And so I came here, and every time you give, just know this, when you give, when you serve at Serve Day, when you reach out to others in who you are you're making an impact in places like Dallas-Fort Worth. You may be surprised by that, but I just want to honor you for that. How many of y'all know that the local church is the hope of the world? Come on, let's put our hands together. And I know the quickest way to get frustrated is to look to some other solution than what Jesus is building. I know you may, may not want to know this, but we are Jesus' plan in the earth for changing the culture that we live in. So I honor you, and I'm so privileged to be here. We're talking about mind games, and wow, what a, what a, what a privilege we have to come into a church environment and have a chance to be in the presence of God, to worship, and spend a little time thinking about what we're thinking about. That's really what this series is all about. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's been your theme verse. As a man, it's gender neutral, really, so it, it, it includes women and children and, and human beings. As, as we think, so goes our lives. You may have heard this before, but it's so true. What we think about influences our beliefs, our beliefs, they influence our actions, and our actions ultimately influence our destiny. So you are a product of what you're thinking about right now. So as you're looking at your thoughts and you're in this mind game series and you've been walking this out, Pastor Steve made a comment in the series as I was following along with you, and he said this, you are not your feelings. You are not what you feel. You are ultimately what God says about you. You are ultimately supposed to subject your feelings to the truth of God. So I thought about that. I thought, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor from an early age, so I just want this weekend to encourage you wherever you're at, online, whatever campus, I want you to walk out lighter, more confident in what God has for your life. But to do that, we have to deal with those toxic emotions. What are those feelings? 
What are those feelings that we need to subject to the truth of God's word? And I find, and especially over the last few years, the feeling of insecurity. This, this idea that I don't know if I'm going to be able to take this next step. Insecurity is so interesting. It's hard to define, but you know when you're feeling it. And you can see it in someone else. But then when you mix insecurity with some fear, with some health event, with a challenge with your child, a new job, a new assignment, you mix a little bit of all that together, some fear, some insecurity, some instability. Here's one. Have you ever had any missed expectations? Wow, I didn't draw it up this way. This isn't what I really expected to happen. And every new season presents new opportunities to feel insecure. Now, a lot of us fake it till we make it, but all of us have that going on. And the truth is, it's what the enemy uses to paralyze you from what God has for your life. Do you remember the first time you felt insecure? I remember the first time that at least I can recollect when I felt insecure. It was at, at a baseball game. I, I grew up, you know, my, my dad was my coach. He's six foot seven, Texas man. And, 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 and we played T-ball, you know, like back in the day, you had your little ball on the tee and you'd hit it off the tee. And, and nowadays, you know, because we're trying to, you know, help everybody out and God bless you younger folks now that we try to soften everything for you and, and we give you a little coach pitch, you know, moment like, here's the ball, kind of hit it. They didn't have that when I was growing up. You went from hitting it on the tee to a full-grown guy, probably too old to play in your league. He had a beard. He's up there. He's six foot tall. You know, and I was a little dumpy kid, big head, you know, kind of big old cannon head, you know, kind of wobbled out there. And I got out there, and this guy's like huge, you know, and he's throwing the ball, hitting the backstop. I'm like, this is not going to go good. And so I just, I get up there, you know, I kind of get in the batter's box. There I am. I'm standing, got my bat. Guy throws the ball 100 miles an hour, bam, hits me. I'm like, I'm done with that. I quit. I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I'm, I quit. I'm, I'm, this is enough for me. I go back toward the dugout. My dad, big six foot seven man, he looks at me. He tries to do reverse psychology on me. He looks at me, he says, Boy, if you're going to act that way, you can sit with your mother. I said, Phenomenal. I'm going to sit with mom. This is great. Boy, I just, hey, hey, it's, it's nice back here behind the screen. It's phenomenal. You get a snow cone, you know, this is great. How do you know that's kind of like life? You got to get up in the batter's box. There's a whole lot of things to be afraid of, a lot of fear there, a lot of emotion. You haven't done it before, and you get hit with the ball. And what happens is you get hit with the ball a few times, and you're scared to keep playing the game. So this series, Mind Games, is about winning the battle where the battle is really taking place. And learning how to think God's thoughts, learning how to overcome, I want to talk to you about this insecurity, this insecurity and fear that makes a cocktail on the inside of you, that makes us anxious, that makes us stop, that makes us paralyzed. We all have it. You know, moms have a reason to have insecurity today. You have all the comparison of everyone around you, and I've never met a mom who doesn't feel at some level like she's not measuring up most of the time. Whether she works or whether she stays at home or whatever her responsibilities are, moms are beasts. I've never seen a, a, a woman, you know, she comes up into the mirror. She's like, oh, I don't like what I see. You know, a guy will come to the mirror. He's got hair growing out his back, his ears. He'll walk up there and be like, we're doing good. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, <laughs> a mom's always like, are we messing these people up that we are responsible for these children? 
And yet today she has Instagram, so she has to have all of it. She's got to have the perfect workout routine. She's got to have the perfect clothing. She's got to have the perfect kids. She's got to have it all because she's comparing herself to everyone around the world in their highlight reel. And then she's got to have a perfect little blueberry scone that she made from scratch while the sun shines through the window. Hallelujah. And you deal with insecurity. Do you know men have insecurity too? Dads have insecurity. They don't like to show it a lot of times. You come into a church like this, men, I'm excited. I'm going to come and, and be a part of your men's night in the spring. And I've been sharing this theme with men everywhere that men have a scoreboard. They measure their net worth. They measure their trophies. They measure all the things in their life against everyone else. And the worst thing in life is not to have a scoreboard of your life that you think have too many points on it but to actually light up a scoreboard and realize you played the wrong game. You focused on the wrong things. So the things that actually cause you to win at what matters, we feel insecure in because no one's ever trained us in those things. And so you come in a church where it's like, be the spiritual leader of your home. You're like, oh, oh, oh. whoa, I mean, I can catch a bass. I mean, I can close a deal. I can root on LSU for their victory tonight. Come on, I can do all that. I mean, come on, I can get into that. But no one's ever taught me to pray with my wife. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm a professional prayer. Y'all know I get paid to pray. I mean, you're like, wow, that's a great job. That's all I do is pray and speak. Don't do anything else. No, I'm just kidding. And so I, I pray for a living. But did you know sometimes I found along the way that one of my, in leading men's small groups, one of the number one insecurities I find in men is just praying with their spouse, just praying with their wife. I'm a professional prayer. And did you know there's some times where I'm trying to pray with her, I'm trying to connect with her, and I feel like, oh, I don't know exactly what to say, or there's, there's a spiritual block there. Can I give maybe wherever you're listening from a man just a little target to win at this week? What if you grabbed your wife's hand and said, honey, what's going on? Let me pray with you. You're like, oh, 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 insecurity. Young adults have insecurity today. It's like I've been a bridesmaid 15 times. <laughs> When's my moment coming? I'm anxious about whether I'll be successful, whether I'll have the family. Young people, students today dealing with, we spent, sent about 1,000 kids to camps in our youth and junior high and fifth and sixth grade environments. I sat with the team after it in our church. I'm just giving you real reporting of what's going on. I sat with our team. I said, what's the number one issue that you dealt with at camp this summer? Do you know what it was? Anxiety among young people. Anxiousness. I, I asked our principal a few years ago, can I get some kids from our community? I want to ask them some questions. By the time I started listening to the things they're facing, I was crying, they were crying, and I realized that it's not just the pressure we're putting on them, it's the pressure they're putting on themselves. You say, why are you telling me this, Pastor? Well, it's for those young people that feel insecurity to get over it, but it's also for many of you, you're like, I'm not insecure about my life, but I'm insecure about the people I love. So sometimes your insecurity is not even just you, but it's the people that you love that you constantly think about that when you're laying your head on the pillow, you're like, Lord, will they become who God's called them to be? A few years ago, we, before we moved to our new building, we were in a building that was an old grocery store behind Taco Casa. That's the house of the taco in Texas, if you don't know what it is. 
And so we had this little old grocery store we renovated. We had a bunch of services. And one weekend I preached on the prodigal son. And I, ta- I got a revelation that weekend about how, how much Jesus was so tying into our emotion and insecurity when he talked about the loving father who cares about the child who's walked away. There's a moment in that story where it says, he came to his senses. If you're insecure about a child, a nephew, a grandchild, someone you love, what you're praying is that that revelatory moment would happen where they come to their senses. The story's not just about the prodigal son that walks away, but the older brother, who many of us can be, that we don't have the right attitude toward them, and we have our own insecurities that we're fighting as they're coming back. But nonetheless, I preached it that weekend. I walked out in the commons to shake hands, and a man, probably in his middle 50s, looked really sharp, successful, came up, and I could see he'd been crying the entire service. His eyes were welled up with tears, and he came up to me, and he handed me a picture, and he said, Pastor, this is my prodigal. Will you pray for him? And I got so overcome with compassion for him that I took the next four services and I stood up and said, this is so-and-so's prodigal. Let's pray with him for the prodigal. Did you know by the end of the weekend, I had a suit coat pocket full of torn off pieces of paper. Pray for mine, preacher. Pray for mine, pastor. Pray for mine, pastor. Nothing can cause you more insecurity than having a child. There's no pain like kid pain. And so you say, look, I'm dealing with that. I'm, I, it's over, overwhelming my life. What do we do about it? How do we overcome that insecurity in our lives? I love the story of Moses. I love it. So no matter where we're at, from young person to even empty nesters. By the way, I want to say also to empty nesters. Did you know you can overcome all kinds of insecurities in your life? I'm getting close to that, facing that in my own life now. As I got two out of the house. One got married, by the way. Wow, that was a trip. If you haven't been down that path, she's a girl, and I went down the the marriage path. That'll cause insecurity. You're like, oh my goodness, I've never done this before. I learned something. I just want to offer it to any of you as you get there. If you have a daughter, get married. I thought I was on the wedding committee. I thought I was a voting member. (laughs) But, But they said, I said, we have a church. You know, we can meet in the church. They're like, we need a venue. I'm like, we got a big venue. People of God prayed for this. We should use it. They said, it doesn't have a center aisle. I'm like, for what y'all are spending, we could helicopter in like Vegas or something, just drop her down on this. I realized I was on the finance committee. I was not a voting member of the real committee. Empty nester, let me tell you this. You can't just go off into your luxury and leisure. Enjoy that beach house a little bit. Play a little golf, but we need you. You've already fought through so many insecurities. We need you actively a part of the family of God. We need you to be a part of helping us with everything you face. Moses is the story. I know it took me a minute to get there, but I need you to understand we're all in this story. Moses, you talked about Gideon. Moses, he's a story in the Bible, a person in the Bible, again, that most people, whether they've read the Bible, they have some understanding. I guess there's probably more movies about Moses than any other one. The old ones, you know, the Charlton Hess, the let my people go. There's the Disney, all of that. And a lot of people know Moses a little bit. Like, I know there were people in bondage in Egypt and God set them free. And of course, Moses is as a type and a shadow of Jesus who ultimately delivers us. And so we know a little bit about Moses. All right, there's a connection to Jesus, but we don't really a lot of times know the emotional insecurity battle that he was fighting. And I got this from your pastor, but I've used it over and over. At this point, it's basically my own. 
But how many of y'all are thankful for the fact that we have a Bible that doesn't, it's not an edited version. It's real people. It's their real struggle. And I'm so glad a big Bible figure like Moses, we can see his real story. Where does his story start? His mom, in a time when babies were being killed, his mom puts him in a basket in the Nile River. We see God's value on life. Same thing was happening in Jesus' day. His mom shows God's value for human life, and as a baby, she puts him in this basket. He floats down the Nile River. The highest power in the land, the Pharaoh's daughter, takes him, and he's raised in the king's palace. His Egyptian name, Moses, means son. His Hebrew name means drawn from the waters. If Moses had, wherever you're listening from, if Moses had a Wikipedia page, The banner over it would be chosen. He's chosen by God. He has every reason to believe that God has him, yet he fights and deals with insecurity. So many of us think, well, if God did this or if God did that, he's already done so much. It's really us working through the process of understanding the plan he has for our lives. This insecurity emotion can be toxic. He's chosen by God. And yet, what happens to him, he's raised in the king's palace. He eventually comes to the awareness that some of his people, the Hebrew people, were being mistreated. And he kills an Egyptian and he buries him in the sand. You say, what happens after that? What Moses does is what many of us do. For 40 years, he wanders away from God's plan for his life. Did you know sometimes your insecurity is not what you're afraid of that hasn't happened? It's what you've done where you think, I've lost time. Or I'm defined by that. I'm defined by that breakup or that mess up or that situation in my life. I want everyone to listen to me. Don't allow the enemy to stop you moving forward based on what you've done. You you may have messed up, but the enemy wants you to think you are a mess up and to keep you in bondage to being insecure that you can ever be who God's called you to be. Moses did it. He wandered around. And then at 80 years old, did you hear that? 80 years old, I'm so glad that the Bible tells us that it's never too early for God to use you. It's never too late for God to use you. The devil will always tell you there's never an opportune time. But at 80 years old, there's a moment. It's called a theophany. You're like, man, that's a big word. What's a theophany? A theophany is a manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament where there's a bush that catches on fire, but it doesn't burn up. And in that moment, God calls him into his destiny at 80 years old. 